evening, church. Welcome to our Sunday night service, and this year, our Christmas service, we're happy to have you with us. we got a number of guests with us, many folks that I just haven't seen in a while, some I'm meeting for the first time, and thank you for taking the time to be here with us this evening. Got a couple of our college students home. I saw the Loden twins come walking in here just a moment ago, and uh, the season is on us. I asked this morning, how many are all done? You're ready for Christmas entirely. Yeah, four of you, um, and the, the rest of us are doing it right. How many are going to wait till like Friday? There you go, wise, wise men amongst us, but thank you for being with us tonight. So much work has gone into this. Uh, our, our musicians have been practicing literally for months. Uh, in the last several weeks, they've been practicing several times during the week. They've been many concerts at my house uh, for the last several Fridays and Saturdays, and uh, it's been a blessing to hear all of this. And I've not, I've not heard, I've heard bits and pieces. Uh, tonight I get to enjoy it for the first time along with everyone else here, and uh, so much uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we serve a God of miracles. The Bible is filled with them, and uh, what we refer to as the Christmas story uh, is one of the greatest times of miracles that mankind has ever known. And so I, I, I'm hoping and praying tonight you'll just be able to sit back, you'll be able to relax, and just breathe in the spirit of this Christmas season in the way God intended for us to do so. Remember to pray for those that are sick. We have a lot in our church family that are going through some health issues right now. Please remember this coming Tuesday to pray for uh, Tim Reamers and his family. Uh, his father went home to be with the Lord last Sunday. Uh, funeral services will be in Massachusetts Tuesday morning. A lot of family coming in from all over the country, so pray for safe travels for them. Uh, for, the, for his father to be properly remembered and honored, and above all, for the Lord to be glorified in that service. So please, please keep them in your prayers if you would. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for being our God. We thank you that you loved us enough that you gave your only begotten son so that we could have a savior. And we celebrate Christmas when unto us was born that day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Lord, we are gathered tonight in Jesus' name with the promise that where two or three are gathered in his name, you would be in the midst of it. Please crown this service with your presence. Lord, help us to focus, to listen, to learn, to be blessed, to be stirred. Bless those that have practiced and prepared so much. And Lord, tonight, would you empower them? They've heard these songs to the point where it's easy to lose the wonder. It's easy to lose the, the joy of it after the 15th or 20th time through. Lord, I pray that you would just work in their hearts in such a way that they would just be stirred afresh and anew and they would be as blessed as anybody in this room. Father, if there's anybody here tonight, anybody that's watching via the live stream that has yet to decide what they're going to do with Jesus Christ as whether or not he'll be their personal savior or not, would you work in their hearts and draw them to Jesus this evening? Bless those that are struggling, those that are going through health issues. Bless and help in every way. Father, we'll thank you for this. We ask for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Ladies and gentlemen, as we begin this evening's program, if I could please remind you to turn your phones or any electronic devices you have with you onto silent. Uh, it'd be the last thing we'd like to do is to ruin all of the hard work with a phone going off in the middle of that. So if you could check on that now, we would greatly appreciate that. Psalm chapter 77, verses 13 and 14 says, Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Many cultures and religions boast the accomplishments of their gods and spiritual leaders. They try to lift up the accolades and the influence of the entities that they worship. But when compared to the God of the Bible, they fall very short. The God of the Bible is the God of creation. His voice was the only tool he needed to bring everything into existence. The God of the Bible is the God of salvation. The virgin birth and the first Christmas are just the start of that story. The God of the Bible is a God of transformation. The lives of those that trust and obey him are changed through his power. The God of the Bible is a God of miracles, a God of wonders.
In just six literal days, God made the universe. With his voice, he spoke the earth and all it contained into existence. The sun, moon, stars, planets, animals, and plants were all formed by this God of wonders. God created man, perfect in his image, and placed him in a paradise beyond imagination. But Adam's sin plunged the human race into a separation from God that could only be remedied by sacrifice. Knowing he could not leave that relationship unmended, God chose to send his only son to earth to be born as a baby. Though this was no ordinary baby, he was an exceptional child, conceived miraculously of the Holy Ghost. The angel told Mary, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. This baby was not lauded by nobility or celebrity, but God made sure people took notice of the miracle that transpired that holy night. Miracle for the Virgin. 
Love has come to walk on water, turn the water into wine. Touch the leper, bless the children, love both human and divine. Praise the wisdom of the Father who has spoken through his Son, speaking still. transgressions and he bears eternal scars he was raised for our salvation and his righteousness is ours praise oh praise him praise the glory of this lavish grace so full lift your souls now and receive the so full. Lift your souls now and receive the glorious impossible. Glorious impossible. This glorious impossible didn't stop at Christ's birth. He would go on to feed 5,000 with just a small lunch of bread and fish, calm stormy seas, heal the sick, make the lame to walk, cause the blind to see, and even raise the dead. All of these miracles were astounding, but they were not the reason Christ came to earth. There was an even bigger purpose for Christ's coming, the biggest miracle of all. Just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not just about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise. 
wise man who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the about the cross It's not just about the good things in this life I've done It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won It's not about the righteousness that I find It's all about his precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the man die for a world given entirely to sin because of a miraculous amazing love the son of God who had become flesh was nailed to a cross that we had done nothing wrong he willingly took upon himself your sin and mine with the hope of bridging the gap that stood between a holy God and sinful man this perfect sacrifice was nothing short of miraculous it was the sacrifice needed to restore us back into fellowship with God, though restoration was only the beginning. 
Along with this miracle came another gift, the assurance of eternal life in heaven. This miraculous gift is available to all who call upon the name of Jesus and trust him for salvation. there by the shores of Galilee when Jesus touched those blinded eyes 
and made them see. And though I did not see the empty tomb that day, I still believed, for I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb, and I believe there is healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me, for I know what Jesus did for me. I have seen the lowest sin, sick soul, have life anew and be made pure, pure and whole. And I have knelt and loosed the chains of sin and set my spirit free. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb, and I believe there is healing in the touch of His hand. But was when Jesus saved me, for I know what Jesus did for me. But the greatest of all miracles was when my Jesus saved me, for I know what Jesus did for me. Jesus performed many miracles while he was on this earth. In fact, the lives he touched are innumerable and immeasurable. John wrote in his gospel, and there are also many other things which Jesus did the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. It is easy to wonder if the Lord is still performing miracles today. In fact, many may wonder, is it possible for God to perform a miracle in my life? John was writing down what the Spirit told him to, a portion of the miracles of Jesus. 
He found his book was way too small to hold all the truths. There were so many other things that he could tell. And I wonder what the other miracles were. Was someone else set free? Someone else like me? If the world itself could not contain the stories of the ones he kept from harm, then surely in my storm there's another, other miracle for me. This awesome God is limitless in power. Who else could make the blinded eye to see? Yet thousands more could tell of their encounter. Countless stories we will never get to read. And I want Someone else set free, someone else like me. If the world itself could not contain the stories of the ones he kept from harm, then surely in my storm there's another, other miracle for me. contain the stories of the ones he kept from harm well then surely in my storm there's another other miracle for me there's another other miracle for me. Life is filled with difficulty, negativity, division, and so many trials. Many people are looking for hope, for something to believe in. Our God the God of miracles is close by. He's waiting to hear from us, to fellowship with us, to answer our prayers. In this time of fear and uncertainty and unrest, there can still be miracles when you believe.
think one of the miracles is that Chloe didn't fall off the platform as she was spinning around during that last song. I mentioned this morning that the Christmas story is just filled with the miraculous. Angels appearing to simple carpenters and engaged young ladies in the hill country of Nazareth. The angels appearing to the shepherds out in the field and filling the night sky with their song, a star that showed up after thousands of years of an ancient prophecy to be seen by some wise men in the far eastern country, people that would know the Messiah has come. And over and over, those miracles manifested themselves. The fulfillment of prophecies, one after another, like dominoes falling into places, God's plan for eternity was becoming a reality. But the miracles did not end with the Christmas story. The life of Christ is filled with such events. Brother Rob sang a song and the verse was quoted from John 21, 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the, which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. From the time he ventured out and, and made, was made publicly known to all of the people, he began to heal the sick and he began to give blinded eyes their sight and the deaf people could hear and the lame could walk. The Bible said great multitudes flocked around him and he healed them all. There was nothing beyond his power, nothing beyond the scope of his reality. He calmed the storms on troubled seas. He came to those whose lives were in bondage to the power of demonic forces and he set them free when no one else could have even touched the problem. A lady with a, an issue of blood, she'd been sick for 12 years of her life. She had spent all of her living on doctors and the Bible says after all of that, she's now, she's now poverty stricken and she was not any better but was actually worse than she started out. All it took was a touch from Jesus and that woman's pain and that woman's issue was lifted from her. No one could do what our Jesus could do. One of the most astounding verses to me in the life of Christ is where it talks about not only did he uh, heal the sick and give blinded eyes uh, their sight back, but the Bible says even them that were maimed. You understand what that means? That means somebody who had lost a body part, Christ restored it. I keep wondering, that would have been so cool if I'd have lived back then. I wonder if I'd have grown a new left leg. That would have been something to shout about for a while, wouldn't it? Nothing was beyond his ability. In John chapter 11, he received word that a dear friend of his, a man named Lazarus, was very, very sick, nigh unto death. His two sisters sent and said, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. And the whole idea of that simple message was, please come, please come and help us. He's our older brother. He's our provider. He is all that we have. Please come heal him and Jesus, for some reason, waited, not just a day or two, but he waited several days and finally looked at his disciples and said, it's time. Let's go to Bethany where Lazarus and his sisters live. And the di disciples, they were wondering what was going on. And 
And, and, and Jesus just came out and told them, he said, Lazarus, our friend, has died. And they're scratching their head. They don't understand this. Jesus healed people from a distance before. All he had to do was speak the word. All he had to do was think the thought and his power was so magnificent. It could have reached where Lazarus was laying on a sickbed and raised him up, but God didn't do that. They came into Bethany. Word reached Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, that Jesus was coming and Martha rose and ran out of the house and met him on the way and said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. And the Savior said, do you believe, Martha? Do you believe in me? Do you believe in what I can do? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He continued on and Mary left the house and met him and said the same thing as Martha, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus said, show me where he's buried. And they took him out to the cemetery outside of town. Jesus stood there weeping. All of the people stood and said, behold how he loved him. But I'm sure in some people's hearts, they were wondering, well, if he really loved him, why didn't he heal him when there was a chance? Why did he wait so long to show up? Please understand, God always has a reason for everything that he allows and for everything that he does. Jesus looked at them and he wiped away the tears from his own eyes. He said, roll the stone away. Martha interrupted and said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. Did you know that according to Jewish law, they believed that the body stayed intact until the fourth day after death? After the fourth day, they believed that is when decay set in and somehow it was like a point of no return. It was on that fourth day, the point of no return. He said, just roll the stone away. And he stood there and he prayed and he talked to his father and said, Lord, I'm talking to you for their benefit. I want them to know. I want them to believe that you truly have sent me. When he was done with his prayer, he called into the opening of the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. And I'm sure in that crowd, there were some snickers. I'm sure there were some eyes being rolled. I'm sure there were some questioning glances. He's talking to a man who's been dead for four days, but all of a sudden it all got silenced because they're standing in the entrance to the tomb was Lazarus, still wrapped up in the grave clothes, struggling to make his way out, but it was Lazarus. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He raised that man from the dead. Can you find a greater miracle? Actually, you can. You actually can. The result of that miracle, you would have thought everybody there would have been excited. Everybody there would have fallen on their knees before him and said, you are the living God. You are the Savior. You are the one that we've been waiting for. But didn't quite happen that way. John eleven forty five 45 says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. There were a lot in that crowd had some good sense. And they saw the, the, the miracle and they believed on Jesus Christ. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees and the council said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. And instead of believing, they said, we need to get rid of him. We need to destroy him. 
We need to plot to kill him. What a sad response to the God of miracles. But I submit to you the greatest miracle was not raising Lazarus from the dead or making a lame man walk or giving sight to the blinded eyes. The greatest miracle was not opening the ears of the deaf or, or making men with leprosy clean and whole again. As wonderful as those miracles were, as much as I would like to have seen them, I would have loved to have been in the boat as the Savior walked along the water and, and then finally said, peace be still, and suddenly the winds died down and the waves ceased their thrashing and the boat was sitting in a calm and peaceful sea. I would have loved to have been there when he broke the bread and the fishes and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. But please understand, for every one of the recorded miracles of Jesus Christ, the people who were fed got hungry again. Think about that. They got hungry. In fact, the next day they showed up because they needed more food. It was a miracle, but it was temporary, if you will. You realize that Lazarus was, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but there came another day when he tasted death yet again. Even being raised from the dead was not permanent. The blinded eyes got to see the wonders of God's creation, but there came a day when they closed for a final time in death. And the ears that were opened, they got to hear the birds and, and hear the songs of, of Zion being sung. All of that was stilled and silenced as death took over because you see, it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. I'm not diminishing the miracles that Jesus performed. I stand in awe of them. Because truly we serve a God of miracles in which, in which nothing is impossible with that God. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed, the greatest miracle that he still performs for anyone who will believe in him, is the miracle of salvation. Because of all the miracles that he did, of which even the world can't contain the volumes of books that would be written to tell every story and every detail, that's the miracle that is eternal. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting means it never ends. It means it's forever. It is forever and ever. It's the eternal, eternal miracle. And beloved, Jesus didn't come really to heal sick people. I'm glad that he did. And I'm sure every sick person that was healed was glad for it. Jesus didn't just come to give the sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and, uh, deaf and even of here and there to raise someone who had died back to life again. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says he came to give himself a ransom, a payment for sin for many. And when he died on the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood on that cross, he paid for my sin. He paid for your sins so that we don't have to. But understand the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the Bible says. 
And that's what the Christmas message is all about. Uh, God told the shepherd, the angels told the shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But the presentation of the gift doesn't guarantee you salvation. You have to make a choice. Just like those people standing around the tomb of Lazarus when they saw the miracle, they had a choice. Will you now finally believe that Jesus is who he said he is? That he is the son of God who came to save us from our sins? Will you believe in just the very name? The name Jesus means God is my savior. His very name is about salvation. And everybody at the tomb that day had to make a choice. Many of them believed, but sadly there was this group that walked away and said, I don't care what he does, I've got my own religion. I don't care what he says, I don't think I'm that bad. I think I'm fine just the way that I am. And they went off in unbelief and they missed out on the greatest miracle that any person has ever known. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he, Jesus, came unto his own to the Jewish people. He was born in Israel. He was born of the house of David. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. The first message was given to the Jewish shepherds in the field. The message of the wise men was presented to Herod and the chief priests and the scribes of Jerusalem. Jesus came unto his own, proclaimed himself, presented himself to his own, and yet the Bible says, and his own received him not. Meaning that even though there were some people like Mary and Martha and John and, and James and Thomas and others that did receive him as their Messiah, as their Savior, nationally the, the majority of the people said, we don't want him. We got our own plan. We've got our own way. His own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. I grew up in church. I grew up in farm country in western Pennsylvania. I grew up doing what they did without the dancing and all the rest of, well, maybe. I don't remember some of the programs. Maybe I was the dancer. It was probably bad if I was. I grew up hearing the story of Christmas. I grew up hearing about the miracles of Jesus. I grew up hearing about the cross, the death of Christ the blood, and the resurrection. I grew up and I had the knowledge and I, I could tell you the stories and I think I probably could have given you, given you the, the, the stories back accurately. I wouldn't have done damage to the scripture. I may not have been able to quote chapter and verse, but, but I had the facts and I had the details, but that's all I had. That's all I had. You see, when it came to eternal life, I had been taught it was all up to me. I had to be a good enough boy. I, I, I had to go to church and I had to give and I had to stay away from bad things. And if I was good enough, maybe, just maybe when I died, I'd get to heaven and God would say, you're good enough, I'll let you in. But there was no assurance that was the case. As a small boy, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I began to think about it. What happens when I die? Where do I go? Am I going to go to heaven 
Or am I going to go to that place to be separated from God forever in a lake that burns with fire and brimstone? And that was out of the question. Did not want that. But I just kept thinking, I've been told if I'm good enough, if I'm good enough. So I tried. And I tried to be better. But I had enough whoopings as a kid to know that I really wasn't all that good. Because see, on my best day, I was still a sinner just like everybody else. And I felt hopeless. I felt like I was that hamster on the wheel, running and running and running and putting forth my best effort, but I wasn't one inch closer to the assurance of my salvation. And then somebody told me what it was all about. That the reason Jesus came was to die on the cross to pay for my sins so I don't have to. He's the only one that can pay for my sin. And that he was my substitute on the cross and his blood was the only sacrifice God would accept in, in, in payment for my sin. And that I had to receive Christ as I would receive any gift for Christmas or a birthday or any other occasion. I had to make a choice of my own free will. Will I receive God's gift or will I keep doing it my way and trying my own, in my own strength? I remember the day in August of 1972. It has been 50 years old, 50 years now. I know I don't look a day over 80, but it's been 50 years ago as a 14, almost 15-year-old boy. I heard what salvation was all about in Jesus Christ, and it made sense, and the Holy Spirit worked in my heart. And I remember kneeling and, and in prayer receiving Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I was given this verse that day as the promise, for whosoever. That means anybody. Whosoever. The little ones down here in the front, the old guy behind the pulpit, and everybody in between. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He wasn't talking about calling on God to save you from financial debt, calling on God to save you from the icy roads, calling on the Lord to save you from your sin. And I remember the day that I asked Jesus to do just that, and I finally had the assurance that, that eluded me all those years. I knew for sure where I was going to spend eternity. I had received the greatest miracle that anybody receives eternal life through Jesus Christ and at this Christmas season that is what we rejoice in that God sent us a savior he was born as an innocent baby in the town of Bethlehem and unlike us he never lost that innocency he retained it all the way through his life and lived that sinless, pure life and died on the cross so that he could pay for our sins. That is the message of Christmas. That is the gift of the God of miracles to every one of us. The question is, what will we do with it? I've told you what I did with it. The question now is, what will you do with it? Undoubtedly, in a crowd this size, there are many that have made the same decision that I did. And you can look back to a time and place in your life where it wasn't your church that you trusted in anymore. It wasn't your good works. It was nothing like that. You understood Jesus was your only hope of salvation, and you trusted him and asked him to be your savior. And you have that assurance. You've received the greatest miracle, the only eternal miracle that he did. Praise God for that, but maybe you haven't done that yet. 
I think it'd be the most amazing thing for you at this Christmas season, 2022, to receive the God of miracles into your life and let him give you the only eternal miracle that he gives, salvation. Not by becoming a Baptist, not by joining a church, not even by turning over a new leaf, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I ask you please to bow your head and to close your eyes?